Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 3. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Father, thank you for this word this morning. And I trust, Lord, in you. I trust, I don't, <laughs> though we depend on technology, we don't trust in technology, Lord. We trust in you and we trust in your spirit being here in spite of all these uh, glitches. Your spirit is here in power and in word. And Lord, may we hear and receive from you exactly what you want to say to us individually, Lord, personally, and as a church, corporately. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It's funny because I was going to tell a story about my brother this morning, and, and oddly, as I pulled into the parking lot, he called me. I don't hear from him. I mean, we don't talk to each other, but maybe every several weeks or so, so it was a bit odd. And him also knowing I have church this morning, but he called me, so Maybe uh, I'm supposed to tell this story. A few weeks ago, I was talking to him on the phone. And at one point in the conversation, he said, I heard that, and he heard me say, I heard that. And he said, not wanting to interrupt me, he said, go ahead. And I said, go ahead. At which point he said, are you repeating everything I'm saying? And he heard, are you repeating everything I'm saying? The only problem was I had lost connection with him before this part of the conversation. So it wasn't me saying any of those things. Our voices sound alike, so he was hearing himself. And he was talking to and answering himself. And we both had a really good laugh about that. There's nothing wrong with having a conversation with yourself. We do it naturally all the time. Whether you say it out loud or not, you're always talking to yourself. But we need more than that in our life. God didn't create us to be completely independent and self-sufficient. He created us with a need for others and for the other, the one who is the other. We're not good at being our own counselor or our own advisor. I got a phone call from my son this week. He said, I need, I need, a, I need somebody to talk to. I need a, I need somebody to bounce something off of. I need some advice. I need some counsel. And we had a long talk and spent most of the day Friday with them, with, with uh, Jeremiah and Amanda. We, we need people in our lives that can challenge us, but we especially need God to, and I'm going to use this word, intrude into our lives and another interesting word, disturb us when we need it. I was talking to a friend last, last week and, and he, we both use that word, you know, that sometimes God comes and starts disturbing things. There was a lot of disturbance this morning. And I, and I, and I don't take things like that lightly. I was thinking, God, what are you, what are you trying to say? You know, what, what, are, what's going on here? Do we need a new computer? Is that what you're trying to say? Anyway, 
So he's doing this in Ezekiel's life at this moment. This is what's happening in Ezekiel's life. I started a series last week entitled, Can These Bones Live? And this has occupied my mind and my heart and my spirit for over two weeks now. I shared with you last week how this came about. Lori and I were in Colorado Springs and, and at, at the end of my teachings there, the uh, interns uh, prophesied over us, prayed over us, and this was kind of a recurring theme. I heard it from at least a couple of them, maybe three of them, this same sort of thing, the dry bones uh, thing. And so it's occupied my mind and my heart for, for well over two weeks, night and day, because I'll, I'll, go to, I'll go to sleep thinking about this, and I'll wake up in the night watches, as David calls them, and I'll be thinking about, can these bones live? That's the title of this series, Can These Bones Live? Because I know God is saying something to me, and I know I need to hear what the Spirit is saying to me about this. So I've been, I've been chewing on this all, all week long. Can these bones live? Now it's obvious in this passage that God was doing the same thing with Ezekiel. He was trying to draw Ezekiel's attention to something. So he takes him on a journey and he takes him to this valley that we call the Valley of Dry Bones. In the Spirit, he goes to this valley filled with bones, and the Bible says, Behold, they were very dry. So it's a valley filled with bones, and behold, they are very dry. I don't know about you, but that's not a place I would like to visit on my own. You know, if I heard about a valley of dry bones, I don't know that it would be on my bucket list. Unless you're an anthropologist, something like that just doesn't, quite interest me. So whatever God's reason was, he was in God's hands and God brought him there to open his heart to the word of the Lord. And after taking a thorough tour of this valley of dry bones, God asks him this question. Now, the question that, that is the title of my message, can these bones live? Now, I've talked about questions in the past and how important questions are as part of our communication with each other. They often draw out something from us that perhaps we've never considered before. Uh, they make us go deep within ourselves. They're perhaps opening up things that may have lain dormant or even hidden. Lori and I had a, a good friend of many years ago when we were in our 20s. It was a mentor to us and uh, we were involved in a marriage ministry with him uh, and, and uh, two other, before, there was four couples of us all together, and Lori and I were the youngest by far. The rest of them were old enough to be our parents. And, and we, were, uh, we were involved in this ministry, and this, this man in particular was mentoring us. And while we were writing our talks that we were to present to couples that would come to this uh, Christian marriage renewal, right, CMR? Christian marriage renewal. While we were writing our talks we, that we would be leading, our, the, the leaders, our mentors, would be con constantly urging us, you know, you need to go deeper. We would read our talks to them or they would read our talks and think, okay, that's good, but you need to go deeper and you need to go deeper and so forth. But this man uh, had a way of asking the right questions that would uncover deeper parts of our lives lives that we had not yet explored. 
the, his questions were amazing. And, and questions are like that. Some people are very good at this. And God is great at this. I mean, God, God knows the, the questions that need to be asked. I did a count one time years ago when I was studying this. And I discovered that there are around 3,300 questions in the Bible. Uh, I, I did a, my, uh, Bible program can actually, uh, give you, you can search punctuation. So I, I searched all question marks in the Bible and I started looking over those and I counted them and, or I think it gave me the count or whatever. But there are about 3,300 questions in the Bible. And you'd think it would be overwhelmingly man questioning God. God, why? Why? How? What, what are you doing? The kind of thing I was asking this morning. What are you doing, God? But, but throughout you would find in the, the, the 3,300 questions in the Bible that God asks his fair share of questions. I think it's, um, I think in Job, uh, it has the most questions of any book in the Bible, obviously. But, but it's God asking most of the questions. You'd think it'd be Job asking the questions, but God's asking most of the questions in the book of Job. And God is the one who actually asked the very first question in the Bible of the first man. Adam, where are you? And so God is good at, God is good at, you find this pattern throughout the scriptures that God is good at zeroing in on an individual and asking challenging questions, provocative questions. In other words, one that is meant to provoke thought or to stir up a self-searching or to trigger honesty in our lives or to take our minds someplace that needs to be explored. So here's what's happening. Ezekiel is walking through this valley and the Hebrew says he's walking around and around. He's walking through this valley and his eyes are feasting on these dry, dusty bones. And as he's looking at these bones, God asks him this question. Can these bones live? What's God doing here? He's pushing Ezekiel. He's making Ezekiel consider the impossible. Can you imagine that? God asking you that question? God has a way of putting his finger on the very thing that we need to look at. The point of our deepest need or our deepest concern. The question again is, can these bones live? Now, let's be honest for a moment. That's a yes or no question, right? You're looking at dry bones, can these bones live? That's a yes or no question. I love those trial movies where the lawyer backs a witness into a corner and says, yes or no, please. You know, and, and so this is a yes or no question. It expects a yes or no answer. And, and that's what we might expect from the person being asked this kind of question. But I'll have to say, I remember years ago as I, as I looked at, read the Valley Dry Bones years ago, I had my mind made up that, that, uh, Ezekiel was, I was a bit put off by his answer. I thought it was a cop-out answer. I've often told people over the years, uh, before that, that I thought it sounded like how a politician might answer a difficult question. You ask a politician and he's not going to take a stand either way. He's just going to say, well, you know, you know, you know the thing. You know, that kind of thing, just generic, not really answering it, 
Just, you know, which is what he said, by the way, what, how he responded. He said, God, you know. He said, you know, that's what he said. In other words, not wanting to go on record one way or the other, but after pondering this for days now in, in the past uh, couple of weeks, but, but mostly this week, I really have begun to appreciate the answer. And, and I can imagine me saying something similar. In my, in my opinion, there's a lot going on in his three-word answer. It's really longer than that, but, but the gist of the answer is because he says, Lord God, you know. So that's four. He repeats God's name, you know, Yahweh, Jehovah, Lord God, you know. But basically, could have just been boiled down, you know, because he's talking to God. He doesn't need to address God. You know, he's talking, the, the, the subject is assumed. Okay. So you, but so, so basically two, two to three word answer. Can these bones live? After this tour of the dry bones, can these bones live? You know. It wasn't quite that way. I'll, I'll explain that in a minute. You can't get any simpler than his answer, but I've, I've come to regard it as quite complex. And let me explain to you what I'm saying here. And I've grown to appreciate his answer. His answer is raw honesty, in my opinion. I believe he's wrestling on the inside. Think about this. God is speaking to you. Almighty God, Lord God, Lord God is speaking to you. He looks at this sea of very dry bones and everything within him wants to answer God's question, can these bones live with a, with, of course not. No. What a silly question to ask me. I mean, think about this. You're, you're looking at dry bones. This must be some sort of trick question. My history tells me no, these bones can't live. Human history tells me no. The best science and medicine says absolutely no. This is impossible. This has never been done before. Dry bones don't come back to life. Listen, can there be anything deader than dry bones? Is that even a word, deader? I, I actually looked it up. You know me, I'm a little bit of a nerd that way. I looked it up. And we do say deader than a door, doornail, right? But I actually looked up one dictionary. I, I love the, I love the humor of this dictionary. You know, I think it was just Miriam Webster or something, but it gave an example of use, of the use of this word. Listen to this. This is, good. this is something I would have put up on the screen. Here's, here's their, here's their use of the word deader in a sentence. He was deader than a dead dog's bone buried down a blind alley off a dead end street in a ghost town. Man, he was dead. Isn't that good? <laughs> I love that. But we all know that really dead has no comparative, no superlative. There's, you're either dead or you're not dead, right? This person's dead, but this one's deader. I mean, we, we understand that there's nothing deader than dead. And so, dry bones, dry bones dead, dry bones dead seals the deal. There ain't no coming back from that. So you get that. That's the easy answer. It would have been easy for Ezekiel to, God says, can these bones live? No. That's silly. That's the easy answer. That's the obvious answer. It was emphatically no. 
In the Bible, by the way, dry bones implies hopelessness. This would have been on the screen. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22 says this. A cheerful heart is a good medicine, but a downcast spirit dries up the bones. And so dry bones implies a hopelessness. And if you read the rest of the story, when God begins to give the, the uh, explanation of this, of this whole vision, he says this represents the hopelessness and the hopeless condition of Israel. But give credit to Ezekiel. He didn't say no. It's what we would want to say. It's what we would want to say when we're looking at any kind of in any kind of situation that seems impossible. Ron mentions Sheila this morning. We look at that and we think, is there any hope? Is there any is there any life? Is is can there be a restoration? And we look at something like that and, and everything within us says no. Science says no, medicine says no, statistics say no. But he didn't say no. Ezekiel looks at this and he didn't say no. And here's what it, where it gets interesting. He didn't say no, but he also didn't say yes. I can almost hear him say, everything inside of me wants to say no, but I want to shout yes. Because we're dealing with God here. And we're dealing with a God who breathes breath into a dust pile that he just formed with his hands. Anything deader than a pile of dust? I was talking about how important the body is in our, in our future in the resurrection at G42. And um, I love the questions I get there. I, very, very thoughtful questions, thought-filled questions. I mean... They think a lot about their questions. And so when I was talking about how important the body is to this whole scheme of our future, even even uh, future with God in eternity, someone asked, well, what about cremation? And I reminded them of what God had to work with in creating the first human. You know, if God if God could take dust, dust from dust you've come and from dust you'll return, if God can take dust and breathe life into it and where we're, we're the result of that and yes God can take God can, God can look at dry bones and says that's nothing for me at least I got more to work with than I had in the beginning I mean my goodness I've got at least bones here so we're dealing with God and God is not just asking a silly hypothetical question God is about to do something extraordinary and Ezekiel can feel it in his bones. And so though he does not say yes, he addresses God. And this is what he says. Can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, Lord God, you. You. I can imagine a scenario when you're facing the impossible, where you just look to God and hope and say, you, you know. I don't know, and I don't know how to answer, but I know you, and you know all. I had 
When I, when I wrote those lines yesterday, I didn't know how to end this message. And it's a short message this morning. I'm going to end here. But I was, as, as I was writing that, I felt the chill of God's presence with me. Because I, I, I thought about all the, the, the situations that we face. And some of them are impossible. They're just, I just look at them and think, what's, where's this going? What's going to happen? Whether it's my kids, my family, our future, you know, the, the different things that we talk about. And, and when I, when I saw that and I, and I thought, and it made me, like I said, it made me appreciate so much Ezekiel's answer. He didn't say no. He just said, Lord God, you, you, you know, you know, and that's all I need. That's all I need. I don't have to know. But you know. So it's not a cop-out answer at all. It's not a politician's answer. It's not him wanting to, not wanting to go on record one way or the other. It's him, it's him looking to heaven and saying, God, I've walked with you for a long time. This is later on in Ezekiel's life, later on in the book of Ezekiel. He's walked with God, done a lot of silly things that God asked him to do. God's prophet, God's man, even called frequently the son of man. Or a son of man. Because actually, God, when God asked him, can these bones live? He addresses Ezekiel that way. Son of man, can these bones live? So he's walked with God. And, and he knows God. And so he looks at this and says, you know. You know. And I know that. And that's enough for me right now. I mean, in, in the things that we're facing and the things that you know, we, we talk about and the things about our kids and stuff like that. Right now, there's something very comforting about that where I can say, God, you know. And that's enough. Right now, at this moment, I don't know, but you know. Now, something's going to come of this. I'm not done with this series. Something comes after this where Ezekiel is involved in the answer and, and God is involved in the answer and something happens and there's a you know, you know the story. I don't, I'm not giving anything away. You know, there's restoration and all of that. And we'll talk about that next week. But right now, right now in this moment, before the dry bones come to life, right now as we sit here looking at our situations and our circumstances, that's all we need right now is just God, you know. I don't, but you do. And that's enough. Amen.